0: Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Jennifer Slattery and I know how uncomfortable it can feel to embrace risk even when we're certain that God is calling us to do so and we can be so focused on our inadequacies that we maybe we forget the power and the presence of who is calling us. And today, to help us increase our courage to courageously embrace God-orchestrated risk despite our real or perceived inadequacy, I've invited a fellow love-inspired author, Sarah Hamaker, on to share how God helped her to overcome her fears related to how failing specifically might impact her family when she embraced God's call to foster parent. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to talk about this subject. Well, I know it is something actually that's really, you're really passionate about and that I I know God has taught you a lot about. Well, Sarah, she loves writing books where the hero and the heroine fall in love while running for their lives. She's written romantic suspense novels and nonfiction books. And as a certified writer coach with the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, her heart is to encourage writers. Her podcast, The Romantic Side of Suspense, can be found wherever you listen to podcasts And Sarah lives in Virginia with her husband, with her four teenagers and a preschool foster child and three cats. And those who have actively engaged in life change, you know how fulfilling it can be to experience God's love flowing through you to someone else. But we probably also know how challenging, how confusing and time consuming reaching out to those from hard places can be. And Sarah, I would really love to hear your journey. When did you first sense God's call? the foster parent? Probably when I was a teenager. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. My my parents became foster parents when I was a teen. They were wonderful, godly parents. My father has since died, but they foster parented for 20, 30 years wow. and had dozens and dozens of kids through their home. I was only at home for a short, you know, bit of that. But I was able to see how first of all first of all, how how important mm. this calling is, how the need is, and how impactful it was on the lives of not only the children but these children's families mm. and the social workers and everyone else kind of involved. and you know, my parents were very clear that this was a Christian home and that these children would be. Prayed over, taken to church, you know, incorporated into the fabric of our family, which had those things, and they were they were a lot of times the first, you know, if, home, if their home their home was empty, the first call that they made for these children, and so that was it was just really, you know, I know God was working on my heart. It wasn't easy being a foster sister. I had things stolen, mm. I had clothes destroyed. You know, my parents were not all mine in that sense. They they had other obligations at times. But I did feel that calling. I do remember thinking, oh, I'd love to do this one day. Wow. You know, so fast forward to getting married and having kids of our own. We have four biological children. They're all teenagers now. And my husband, I we talked about this before we were married. We talked about this early in our marriage, but he wasn't quite ready. And if you're listening to this and you are married or you have a partner, you're you, I mean, you need to have both of you on the same page. To just, so sometimes that means you have to wait a little bit. So I waited and often on we talked about it and I prayed about it. And then one fall in 2018, he uh, ran into someone talking about fostering at a festival that we were at. And he's like, ah, I
0: think we should foster. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction at that time? I was like, okay. <laughs> so you had no hesitation?
1: No, I kind of, um, I mean, a little hesitation because it's terrifying. I mean, I'll just be honest, this like we're talking about fear. It was of the unknown and and kind of even when you know this is something God has laid on your heart, it still is kind of frightening to take that step. And I was like, okay, let's pray about it. I mean I was excited, but let's let's spend so we spent some time praying about it. We went to an information meeting and um with with UMFS, which is a foster to adoption agency in Virginia. I'm I live in Virginia. And we went to an information meeting and they talked about the need and the need for teenagers. That's their greatest need to have teenagers place. And we were like, well, we got some teenagers and our boys weren't teenagers yet, but they were coming up and we said, okay, sure. So we went through the training. We did it all. And in our training, my husband asked a question, I think will probably resonate with many of us, of the instructor. He said, are we inviting chaos into our home <laughs> with these kids? And, I'll, and her answer has stuck stuck with us all these years later. And she said, no, you're inviting opportunity. And I thought, what a wonderful way to think about it as, as believers, right? That this is an opportunity that could be chaotic. It could upend or it's going to upend our lives in many ways. And yet when you frame it as opportunity, just, I can almost feel the some relief and lessening
0: of that fear in my own heart, just hearing that. Well, I want to go back actually to your fear. Just mm-hmm. just some of I want to go back to some of the fears that you wrestled with. And I know from communicating with you prior to our recording that you had mentioned that you felt inadequate, that like you mm-hmm. wondered if you were going to be able to really step into this call. And I think a lot of our listeners, what whether God is calling you to launch a ministry, launch a nonprofit, or stay home with your kids, or I mean, there's so many different things God can. Can call us to. I think it's pretty common to wrestle with our own inadequacies,
1: right? And and I'll just say, Jennifer, I'm a trained parent coach, so I help parents with difficult children. (laughs) And I was terrified. I mean, honestly, if I'm really being honest, it. I just felt how you know, am I really going to be able to help these children? Am I going to be able to you know manage these behaviors? Because no matter what the child is. Is like, whether they have any kind of mental health diagnosis or physical diagnosis or, or what removing them from their home is traumatic and they are not going to be like, Oh, yay, I'm in a new home. This is great. And I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to handle it well, you know, I, that I was not going to be able to be able to manage my own fears in dealing with their behaviors. It, it well, really was a concern. But along the way, you know, like the like the instructor saying, we're inviting opportunity. It was just these gentle reminders that when God calls us, he also helps to equip us. To do it. And the training that we received and the support that we have through UMFS has gone a long way to help lessening that fear. Cause I it even now it kind of rears its ugly head at times and like, oh, I
0: can't. No, right. I
1: can. You know, that
0: self-talk we have to do with ourselves. I think sometimes when we think too, we we God calls us to something and we only see like this moment on this this one assignment, which I think is valid, but I I looked through some of the things that God has called me to do and how I stepped into them very imperfectly. And I can look back and say, wow, I, I messed up here and I messed up here and I messed up here. And there was a temptation with each mess up to be like, see, I can't do it. Like, why are you doing the risks are too big? And, you know, or, or you're going to make a mess of things and wanting to protect myself from those potential failures in the future. But then I look at how every time I step in, whatever God is calling me to do, it's like, I'm a little bit stronger. I'm a little more dependent on Christ. I'm a little more resilient, or I have a, I've learned to have a, A stronger support system. It has gotten easier in some ways, but you
1: still, you know, when we are, when our first, our first placement was with us more than two years. And when she left, we had a little bit of a break and then we got a call for another placement. And I still remember thinking, oh no, I don't think I want to do this. (laughs) My initial reaction was like, oh, I'm not equipped to do this once we heard the needs of this child. And this one was, which was our current placement. He was being moved from a foster home that needed to... disrupt the placement because of some behaviors toward their younger bi- bio children. And so we had actually a little more time to consider, to learn, and we don't always get that luxury. And I was reminded myself, as my husband said, he goes like, we can do this. And I was like, you're right. We can do this. We have you. Your mind just goes to all these things. Well, what if they do this? I can't handle that. And what about this? And what about that? And just the reminder that no. We can do this. Mm
0: -hmm. We are equipped. We are called. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, in in the United States, where, which is where we're recording from, we very much have a very comfort based Christianity. We, and I know I've seen my daughter and son-in-law embrace some really hard assignments and my mama heart has been like, okay, I'm going to rescue. I'm going to fix. Let's not struggle. Let's not have pain. And then the, you know, Jesus in me is saying, wait a minute. This isn't about their, Their. are you really wanting to teach them a comfort-based faith? And I wonder what I hear from your story too, is that you, you saw it was hard. Like you had no misconceptions about that, but yet you willingly chose to embrace the hard. And do you, do you find that you kind of wrestle with your, yourself, you know, like your, your own selfishness and like, well, because it disrupted your life, right? Yeah. And I,
1: I love that you said my selfishness, because that has been a theme in My heart this year, especially 2022, it's been hard. And beginning of this year, it was, I was in a low place. The foster, the, the, our school system was closed for like five days after the whole week after winter break. And my husband works from home, which is a blessing. And I work from home too, but my, I don't, I'm a freelancer. So my schedule isn't like, I have to be here XYZ. I can, I fit it in when I can, which means if the schools are closed and the daycare is closed, who's watching the preschooler, foster kid? That would be me. And that was hard because my I was like, I had all these things, all these plans, all these things I wanted to do. I was really having a low point when I found out school was gonna be closed again, like on a Wednesday. And I just remember closing myself in my bathroom for like five minutes so I could just kind of go take deep breaths, calm down. And I just remember God laying on my heart, would you be acting this way if Jesus asked you to watch this child? I mean, I honestly, I don't often think that way. I should more, but I don't often. And it was like a dagger to the heart, Jennifer, that, oh, right, God called me to do this. I'm really not serving this foster child. I'm serving Jesus. And when I thought about that, I said, I really shouldn't be throwing a temper tantrum because I'm serving Jesus. And I was having a little pity party. And I was, I mean, I was really, really upset. Because it was hard and that just really transformed my thinking. And I've really tried to keep that at the forefront of my mind when other things have happened that have upended my day, <laughs> ruined my, my projections of, of how life is should be and reminded me of the one who I serve. And in our callings, he calls us to serve him. And it's really helped me to love this child even more.
0: Mm-hmm. So I I remember we were talking, you know, and you were sharing some of the challenges, some of the fears you were wrestling with, the insecurities, worried that it was going to negatively impact your family. And I was reminded of when Jesus told the story about a man with that. Some people might know it as the man with the talents, or basically he had all this money and he distributed it to three of his servants. And you can read the story actually in Matthew chapter 25. But basically, Jesus drew an analogy between the story and the kingdom of God. And so he, he wrote, I'm going actually read two verses for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one he gave five talents to another one to each according to his ability then he went away I was really struck like I didn't get past that for a bit because it God knows our schedule right he know and I know you're a writer and you know speaking as someone I, I have some some things coming up and my computer's wiped. I lost a lot of files and God knew it. Right. God knew what was going to and in our family has certain ministry things we're doing right now. God knew that those when those would be challenging and when they wouldn't be challenging. And and same with you. Right. He knew that school was going to be out for a bit. And yet he gave according to your Ability. And I think I want to be careful with that because we do know our ability is really actually pretty pathetic, right? When we, when we rely on ourselves, it's pretty scary, but he knows the ability of him in us and the ability of the support around us. And how much has that been a shift for you? Just thinking, do you remind yourself of that? Or do you, have you ever had those conversations like, okay, God gave me this assignment. So he must think I'm capable.
1: Oh, all the time, Jennifer. I remind my. Children as well, because this can be hard on them sometimes too. And just the reminder that this is the calling that God has given us and that he does equip us for that. And we're not alone in doing that. I mean, yeah, we have God in our hearts and he's with us with the Holy Spirit and, and all of that, but he's also giving us a lot of resources. There's a lot of support out there. We have to reach out to our agency and say, hey, we need help with X. You know, that's what that's part of the reason they're there. They're there to help support the foster child, but also the foster families. And there's a lot of other groups out there that are available to help with fostering. And, well, and I think with, 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 with anything, anything calling we have. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You got to reach out. You got to so start collecting those. If you, since God is calling you into a, maybe a new area, start kind of looking around and seeing what groups are out there, see what's available and kind of make a note of those because we're all going to hit a, hit a bottom where we were with, with our strength feels depleted and that we got nothing left. And that's when God can do his best work in our hearts. And it's also when, you know, maybe we need to give someone else an opportunity to bless us.
0: Yeah. You know, when I think about just some of the things that God might be calling us to, and specifically what he's calling you to, and then also in relation to this particular parable. So I, I often will tell listeners that our fears make proclamations. So mm-hmm. they reveal what we really believe about God, about his heart, his character, his power, and his ability to care for us. So would you actually mind reading? Do you have a Bible where you could pull up Matthew 25 and could you actually read verses 24 to 27? I'd be delighted. Here's Matthew
1: 25 verses 24 to 27. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap while I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. You know that
0: makes me think about this story. We, in context, we recognize that this rich ruler, the master, the boss, whatever, he represents God. And here the, the servant was saying, okay, you're harsh and you're punitive and you're dishonest. And we know that God is the opposite of that, right? He's honest and he's loving and he's faithful and attentive, but I don't think we recognize sometimes. So like, let's look at, at your story or, you know, with both When you grew up and then with your kids now, because I remember you had mentioned when we were talking how you were afraid of how it might negatively affect your children or your family. And if we trace that out to the proclamation it's making, we're saying, I believe if I follow God's call in this area, it's going to be bad for my family. Therefore, I don't believe God has good in mind for my family, therefore, I don't believe Jesus' promise really meant it when He said I came that you might have abundant life and have it you know have overf- overflowing life basically, and joy and peace. And I've really honestly, I've had to wrestle with that, watching my family as they step into hard circumstances, and I've had to when I feel a burst of anxiety, I've had to hit pause and kind of talk it out in my mind but I know God loves them. I know God has a plan for them. I know he's working in them and I know he has good in mind for them. And it helps me To just say, okay, where is my lie, even if I'm not aware of it? And then what is the truth to to counter that? And so what would have just let's just kind of play this out. Let's say your parents hadn't embraced a hard call when you're growing up. What do you think that could have cost you in terms of like your development and your relationship with Christ?
1: That's a great question, Jennifer. I think that it would have I would have been more selfish, just to be honest. I was like an only child. When I was a teen because my, I had much older siblings and they were out of the house. So it was just me and my parents. And I had no experience with younger siblings, older, I mean, old, closer into my age at all. And not that that inherently, oh, I'm not saying that only children are inherently selfish. I'm saying my, I know my heart right? And I know that I probably would have been a more selfish person to be forced to share with others on a daily basis. One little girl that we had, she was one of the first little foster kids we had. She was honestly one of the most unlovable children I have ever met just by her behavior and by her appearance and by her mannerisms. And she, she was really hard to love. But we all love this little girl. And she grew up to get married and have three boys of her own. And she still runs into my mom sometimes. And I've met her as an adult. And just like loving Jesus and raising her kids and just and you and I look I think back. God put love in our hearts for her. And I think on think on that, I think I would have just missed out on a lot of seeing how God can redeem those who come from really bad. Things and being able to see, and God was has been gracious to be able to show my parents, not every child, but enough of them in their adulthood and the impact that they had. And we don't always get that. And I realized that with the only kids going through our home, we may, we may never know how some are impacted, but just that knowledge that I have with how they're, how, how they have come back and told my parents. What a difference they made. I just, so I can have that assurance that I may never know, but I know from enough experience. So if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't know that. And I think it would be harder in some ways to not, to not know that there, the first foster child that we had, we got her when she was three and a half and we had her for two years, more than two years. And then she was, went to a forever home, which we were thrilled about. I think it was a good match, good fit. We don't know how she's doing and that's hard because we love this little girl. She was so great and, but we don't know how she, how she's doing. And, but I think back on all the stories and all the kids who have come back to my parents' house and I think, right, God knows how she's doing. God knows the seeds that we planted in her heart and, and we can rest assured it does help us not to have, have hearts
0: that hurt quite as much because we know. Mm-hmm. Somebody had said, To me, they're sharing their story, which was kind of a hard, you know, stepping into a hard situation to show Christ's love to somebody who, quite frankly, didn't want to be loved. And she said to me, well, who else is going to do it? And it reminded me of a sermon we actually just had this past yesterday, actually, and where... Our pastor, our missions pastor, he actually said, you know, we often think about what will this cost me? That's usually the first, the first thought. Well, at least with me, that's often the first thought. And I start looking through my schedule and will I have to give up this, whatever it is that I think I I need to invest my time in? And so, well, what if we think of it different, differently? What happens if we don't? And you had mentioned, you know, we, we know if we are followers of Christ, we are called to step into dark environments, into our dark world, basically with the light of Christ. And I often have an, an, so we lived in Southern California when my daughter was young and we homeschooled for a while. And we were doing, learning about like the stars and outer space and everything. And I wanted to show her the stars and I couldn't because it was too bright. Like it was, like, we couldn't see the night sky. And so we had to go out. We drove to the desert one night so that we, we were right on the, the edge of the Mojave Desert. And the stars were just brilliant. And I've held that memory every time I, well, when I'm being obedient and surrendered to Christ mm-hmm. and I'm wanting to hear his voice <laughs> and I sense him calling me into a hard situation or to love somebody who is difficult. And I'm reminded of how brightly our light shines when we actually do intentionally step into those those dark situations. And I think it it also you you hinted at this a little, but I think we experience Christ more fully mm. when we need him more deeply. That, that
1: is so true, Jennifer. And sometimes I think we only want to do the big grand gestures for God. You know, the the one that will net hundreds of people at our event or whatever it is, you know, I think that we want the big grand gestures Because those make us feel good and we can kind of see more clearly how God is working, perhaps. I'm not sure why. And I'm like that too. But it's when we get to those day-to-day little things, you know, like cleaning up another accident our preschooler had in his room. Yay! You know, but I'm serving Christ there and I'm loving this child and I'm making a difference in his life. And I may not see that difference. For years to come, I may not see it till I'm in heaven and I hear what happened. And we have the impact of, you know, showing how we love this child to his, to our caseworker, to our social worker, to his guardian ad litem, to his CASA worker, to the... I mean, there's so many people like a ripple effect that are taking care and loving this child's impacts. And I remind myself of that. We're showing Christ to them. By how we treat this child and how we love this child, even though it's not a huge grand gesture, it's a small gesture. And even as we struggle through some of the hard things, I was able to have a wonderful conversation with his social worker about why we foster, because we felt God called us to. I know she's not a believer, you know, but she was curious about why we do what we do. And we were. I was able to share practically the gospel message without really, you know, dotting all the T's, but our whole story is like that. So I remind myself of that. Like you said, this is making a difference. We may not see it, but this is important work. So if you have a small thing you're called to do, do it because you never know what kind of ripple effect that'll have in the kingdom of Christ.
0: Yeah. And I I think sometimes too, we will think, or at least I will have a tendency to think, well, somebody else can do that. God will call someone else And yet I'm reminded of Jesus's words to the disciples. So when he sent out like 72 of his disciples and you'd think, okay, that's a lot of people, right? I mean, wouldn't you think if, Like 72 people in your church all got together and to serve in this one ministry. You'd be like, wow, that's awesome. And yet he said the harvest is plentiful. The, the labors are few. So from his big picture, eternal perspective, it's, it's almost like he was saying like, yeah, this is awesome. You're going to do great things. You're going to transform lives. But you know what? We need more people because there are more lives to change. So do you have, when you're really struggling, when you're feeling exhausted or overwhelmed, do you have like a passage that you really kind of cling to?
1: Yeah, it's probably one that's familiar to many people, but I do repeat it in my brain. Honestly, sometimes thousands of times a day, it feels like Philippians 4.13, which is I can do all things through him who strengthens me because it reminds me that I'm not alone in these hard circumstances. When the going gets rough, Christ is right there with me and he strengthens me. And I love that strengthening. I've really been focusing on the strengthening this year because I feel depleted. You know, it's been a while since we've had a preschooler (laughs) in our home and they take a lot of energy. And sometimes I really feel my physical strength depleted and my physical strength's depleted. Generally, my mental and spiritual strength is also depleted. So that really shores me up and really helps focus my attention off me and my whiny and temper tantruming
0: ways and on Christ. Which then just the more we depend on him, he said his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So I think we just automatically find strength through that as well. Well, I really thank you for sharing your story with us and just how God has moved you from, you know, your own wrestling with your inadequacies to deeper faith in him and then deeper experience of him. And I will go ahead and put her information in the show notes. So make sure to check that out as well. We hope that this gave you some courage in your own journey as you step out, whatever God is calling you to do as you just trust him with that next step and to give you everything you need to live that out. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. That encourages our team, and it helps others to find it as well. Share it with your friends on social media. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free.
1: Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
0: Hey, friends, Nicole Eunice here from the How to Study the Bible podcast. I want to invite you to experience a fresh look at the story of Joseph and what it means for you today. Life can totally throw us for a loop, whether it's your family or your marriage, work, church, or something else entirely. Maybe you have found yourself in a season that you never would have expected and that you certainly wouldn't have signed up for. In this six-week Bible study together, we're gonna talk about the biblical story of Joseph, a man who lived an unexpected life and trusted God through it all. We'll talk about the blessings he experienced, the promises God keeps, the way that tests of our character can actually refine our faith. We'll talk about patience. We'll talk about loss. Absolutely talk about redemption. So come join us for the six-week series over on the How to Study the Bible podcast. Can't wait to dive in with you.